When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. of the Chicago Bulls Sports Ethos coverage show, and I say it different every time, but I am your host, Keith Cork. You can find me on Twitter at, at BSBPKeith. I'll be riding solo for this recap. I know you're expecting Trey uh, to jump on, but something did come up, so it's just going to be me. You get all of me here on this Sports Ethos show. I know you guys are so excited, and guys, listeners, please take a moment to follow at EthosFantasyBK on Twitter. It's the single most dominant fantasy and basketball news feed on Earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis, too. Again, that's at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Go follow it now. <laughs> okay. Uh, Bulls lose 106 to 119. It wasn't as close as that final score would indicate. Uh, they dropped four straight. I'm actually not in a bad mood, as you can tell about it. Um, you know, kind of an expected loss. Uh, Bulls just have, you know, a five key guys out right now. They've got Zach Levine out. They've got Lonzo Ball out. They've got Javante Green out. Alex Caruso's out. Uh, obviously Patrick Williams is out. Um, you know, there's just too many, too many guys out right now, uh, for the Bulls. And, um, you know, Derek Jones Jr. also out. That's the other one I was forgetting. There it is. Uh, but so, you know, five, six guys that are just rotational players, really key pieces that the uh, Bulls are planning on having. Uh, all out um, against a good team. The Memphis Grizzlies are a very good basketball team. Not surprising that they lost this one. I felt like they, the effort was there. Um, the offense was really ugly at times. There was a lot of turnovers, a lot of really bad turn- turnovers. But the Grizzlies are sitting on a 31-15 and 15 record. Uh, the Bulls are sitting on a 27-15 record. So the Grizzlies, uh, you know, they're a better team than the Bulls right now uh, by record. And by the eye test tonight, uh, I wish we had all those guys. I wish we could have put forth our best effort. Wasn't the case. So, uh, you know, we move on. It's the fourth loss in a row, like I said. Um, you know, really tough here. Uh, but we're going to recap it for you guys. And um, before I do, though, I want to just let you guys know we have a brand new daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos, Thrive Fantasy. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use code Ethos when you sign up to get a 100% deposit match bonus. On your first deposit, up to 100 bucks plus either two or four free game tickets to play. Pick player props on the biggest names playing every night. Score points when your props hit. And the players uh, with the most points win a share of the nightly prize money. And check out our Sports Ethos DFS team or podcast for advice on winners. Again, that code is ethos over at thrivefantasy.com. Go get it. Um, but no, I mean, there's some good stuff here. Even though all these guys are out, even though it was a loss, uh, you know, I, I definitely want to look at those rotations again just to see, you know, who the Bulls were going to play. Uh, looking at the minutes played, obviously, DeMar 
uh, had 32 minutes. Io had the most minutes at 38, actually. Uh, DeMar was second with those 32 and a half minutes. Uh, and then we had Kobe White with 31 uh, and a half about. And then Vooch, uh, 30 minutes. So uh, outside of that, though, so those guys, you know, obviously we were expecting them all to get pretty big minutes. Um, the big thing that stands out there is Io. Uh, just coming in big again, man. Let me read the stat line for you guys. 15 points on 7 to 12 shooting, uh, 10 rebounds from a guard, the shooting guard, point guard, whatever you want to call him, a guard. Uh, you know, he, I think he's 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, he's not that tall. Uh, 10 rebounds is great, uh, especially for a team that struggles on the boards like the Bulls do. Six assists, five steals, two blocks. That is a freaking incredible uh, fantasy line. So if you did uh, roster him in fantasy or daily fantasy today, you probably did very well. But man, this IO show, uh, watching IO come on and grow into the grow into just a, a great player, um, is is fantastic to watch. I mean, it gives the Bulls a lot of much needed depth. It gives a lot of Bulls a lot to think about when you're talking about the trade deadline that's looming. I know we've talked about several times on this show about whether or not we think we need to move a guy like IO or a guy like Kobe White to get a piece that's going to help us this season, or if that's even worth it. Um, you know, I think Trey and I are both on the side of not trading Patrick Williams. But both those other guys are very much on the table. I mean, if the right deal comes comes calling, you know, the right GM and, and deals on the table, um, you know, the Bulls have to consider that. I mean, you know, they've they've shown that they are in the top uh, echelon of the Eastern Conference uh, despite this recent losing streak. Before that, they're playing very very good basketball. So we have to really think about, you know, is is Io somebody that we want to move or is he somebody we want to hang on to? I mean, he's he's right now he's contributing. He's contributing as a rookie, um, which is Pretty rare. Um, and again, you know, I said this last show. I said it, I'll say it again. I don't know if I can. Uh, the way that he's playing right now, I don't know if I can move from Iowa. I think you trade Kobe before you trade Iowa because what that does is it opens up more minutes for for uh, oh, for oh Iowa if you trade Kobe away. Um, and I think we all want to see that. We all want to see what Iowa can, the sumo can do. Uh, Kobe White, though, great game also. 16 points, 6 of 14 shooting. So uh, about average for him from shooting from the field. 4 of 7 from beyond the arc. He hit his New Year's resolution for me. Unfortunately, the Bulls do lose. Uh, the other guy I had New Year's resolution for that missed his New Year's resolution is Vucevic. Asked him to get a double-double in each game. He ended up with 7 points and 10 rebounds. 7 points uh, in a game without Lonzo Ball, without Zach Levine. Uh, it's, um, it's getting really hard to justify. And, you know, I, I had this question at the beginning of the season and then he started to play well. And so I took it away, but I had the question at the beginning of the season, you know, is this the guy that we want to look towards? I mean, I think he's a great player, but is this the guy that we want to look for to be our third star? You know, what have you on a championship level team, assuming that we're playing for a championship, which I still don't think we are this year. I think we're looking at that maybe next year. Or the year following, I think you know maybe two years out was what I was looking at before, but now I think even next year might be the year that we're actually seriously going to contend for a title. I don't think there's a, there's serious title contenders this year. I don't think anyone puts the Bulls over the Nets or the Bucks outside of Chicago. I'm, I'm, I hate to break it to you guys, Bulls fans. I don't think that anyone puts the Bulls above you know the Suns uh, or uh, even probably even the Grizzlies. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean the Grizzlies are just playing fantastic basketball. So, you know, I, I think outside of Chicago, there's a lot of doubt about whether or not the Bulls can actually legitimately contend for a championship. Now, all that might change if there's a trade, of course. And it would depend who we got back in that trade. I don't think Jer Jeremy Grant, who's the one that's most mentioned, uh, you know, gets gets us over that hump. And, and I know Daniel Greenberg, who was on a show with us a while back, 
uh, just a few shows ago, he did mention that, you know, it's not the Bulls that are circulating this Jeremy Grant talk. It's 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 the Pistons, most likely. So it's more chatter on their side because they want to see it done. They'd rather get rid of him for a guy like Patrick Williams. So um, if you think of it that way, Patrick Williams is maybe viewed as, as a better asset long term than Jeremy Grant. So, you know, I wouldn't be so sure to think that's a, a home run slam dunk of a, of a deal. Excuse me while I get some water. But um, Vucevic, uh, getting really hard to defend this guy. Two of 13 shooting today. Uh, seven points, like I said, 15% from the field. Uh, just absolutely putrid uh, in a game, again, where you know we really needed his offense. Um, the one thing I think he did relatively well uh, was rebound the basketball. I think the whole team did a, a pretty decent job rebounding the basketball. 50 to 54 was the rebounding uh, deficit, which isn't anything just, you know, it's not bad. It's not as bad as it's been the last, you know, two or three games. Um, the Grizzlies who grab a little over 13 offensive rebounds per game only got 10 this game. So I uh, would have liked to see that number down a little bit more, but you know, that's a really respectable effort on the boards. I thought the, the, the effort on the defensive side and on the glass was really there today. The Grizzlies ended up hitting a lot of shots, uh, which you can't really do anything about <laughs> with an NBA team is just making shots. Uh, you know, sit back and enjoy the show, I guess. 51.1% shooting for the Grizzlies. Uh, in this one, 40% from beyond the arc. Uh, very decent uh, shooting day for them. Uh, a lot of push shots that they made from about 5 to 10 feet out. Um, you know, different guys, uh, John Morant, Kyle Anderson, uh, Desmond Bain was 10 for 17. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. was 6 of 11, didn't take a lot of shots, but he hit them efficiently. Just just shooting it very well uh, from the field. John Morant was 53% from the field. Uh, Kyle Anderson only got five shots and was like 40% of the field, but it felt like he had a, a bigger impact than that. He also had three steals and a block. Um, so, you know, again, just a, t a tough game to win in, in general, but when the Grizzlies are playing like that, it was just pretty much impossible for the Bulls to win. Uh, they had to have kind of a, a bad game for us to really have a chance here, and, and they just didn't. Outside of that first quarter uh, where both teams shot it really badly, the Grizzlies shot it very well. So, Vooch, um, you know, been very up and down this season. Um, is this the guy that we're going to have as championship level center? I don't think so. I mean, I, I think I'm going to go back to what I felt the first, at the beginning of the season. I just don't see it. I don't, I don't see – I think he is the prototype or the type of player that the Bulls need to have alongside Zach and alongside uh, DeMar. Uh, I don't think, you know, his skill set is bad. I just think the execution is just not there. I mean, especially this season. And, of course, you know, we've been saying, well, yeah, everything normalizes. And, yes, that is the long view correct thing to look at here. You know, if you've played fantasy basketball a lot like I have or, you know, done some uh, some looks at looking at some gambling for on NBA, uh, you know, the long, the long view is always going to even out to the average, right? So if someone's playing below average, shooting below average, uh, you know, odds are it's going to come up. Not the case with Vucevic. Vucevic we, Vucevic, we have not seen that this season. We've just seen this guy continue to struggle and, and struggle in different ways. You know, in the last couple of games, um, his boy, I mean, his effort level on the rebounding was just was bad, in my opinion. Uh, outside of the last game, the last game he had a really good game, but the two games before that, and then this game, not only was the offense bad, the defense was bad too. And, and Stan Van Gundy who was announcing on TNT, called it out a few times. You know, he lost um, somebody at the rim. I can't remember who it was exactly on out-of-bounds play. Oh, it was Brandon Clark. He lost Brandon Clark because he decided to jump out on Bain in a, on a corner three, 
he decided just to overthink it instead of you know being the rim protection that we needed. And Brandon Clark gets a, a wide open dunk with a second left. They shouldn't have scored on that play. And, and you know, obviously, at the end of the day, those two points don't matter much. But if it was a close game, this is a, that's a losing play that loses you basketball games. That's just a, a brain lapse that you can't have as the quote unquote third best player on the Chicago Bulls. So it's uh, it's getting really hard for me to defend the guy. Uh, I'm not saying like you know we need absolutely need to trade him. I think that he becomes a more valuable trade chip next season uh, because I do believe that his contract is up uh, the following season. So he'll be on expiring next season. So I think he becomes a very valuable trade asset at the deadline next season. And I think that's when the bulls are going to have to look to see, you know, is this going to, is, is this going to be a guy that we move? And my, my first gut instinct was this is, it's going to be, you know, after seeing him with Zach alone and then seeing him with Zach and DeMar now, uh, for half a season, you know, my gut is just saying, man, we need something else. We just need something else. And he's still a very valuable and a very good player. He, he's a little bit older, too, though. I mean, he's like 32, 33, Vucevic is. So it's not like he's going to be around for another five years. He's 31. Sorry, I misspoke. 31. So five years is, yeah, definitely stretching. I think he'll be good for another three years, which is still fine. But I just don't know, guys. I don't know if this is the guy that we want. Some good stuff, though. Let's talk about some good stuff. Io playing some defense on John Moran. I thought he did a fantastic job. Obviously, we heard the defensive numbers. Uh, steals and blocks aren't always reflective of playing great defense, but in this case, Mr. Io DeSumo did play fantastic defense all game. Uh, just kept it rolling, kept the foot on the gas pedal. Uh, you know, getting seeing some good Kobe White minutes, seeing some good Io minutes right now is probably the best thing we can hope for, and we're seeing it. So, you know, this is this is still good for the Bulls, even though we've dropped four games in a row. You can't be all doom and gloom. If you're a smarter basketball fan than that, smarter Bulls fan than that, you can't be super down on the team. You have to be a little bit more even-keeled. I mean, it sucks that we're losing games, and what really sucks is that we're losing three of those games on national television. On the flip side of that, though, maybe some of the you know teams that we get in the playoffs, maybe they underestimate us because they see these nationally televised games. They say the Bulls aren't. They, they, don't, they ain't crap, man. They don't have the skill. What is, it, what is everyone talking about this Bulls team? How are they, how are they winning games? Now, I don't actually honestly in my heart of hearts believe that any you know NBA scouts and coaches and, and star level players aren't actually watching other games besides just the ones that are nationally televised. But I know the fan bases probably aren't. So and, and that and that does affect a player, I think. I think that does affect a team and a player. Uh when your fan base is just so super duper confident. Uh, you know, we see the like like the Knicks and the, and the Hawks last year in the playoffs. Uh, I just knew the Hawks were gonna win that one. The Hawks were playing good basketball and uh and Knicks fans, I mean Knicks fans, you know, they have they need to be excited about something because they've been just so bad for so long. So and I hate to pick on the Knicks too much, but uh thirteen point four offensive rebounds per game is what the Grizzlies average. Um, that's according to Casey Johnson on Twitter there. And again, they, they held him below that average. So I love what I saw there. Uh, the IO defense on Durant was great. Um, one question I have here for Bulls fans out there, and I don't have my co-host bounce it off of, but you know, can DeMar handle not getting calls tonight, not getting those calls that he's used to not getting to the line, you know, as much as he, he'd want to, he only shot four free throws. He hit all four. He only shot four free throws all game complaining about it. Having you know issues with the refs, I, th uh, I don't think he, he didn't get a technical, but Billy Donovan did get a technical, uh, complaining about some of the defense that the Grizzlies are playing. And they, I mean, you know, 
I don't know. I mean, so if you were to ask me if there are fouls on DeMar DeRozan, I would say that the way they called it tonight is probably more in line with what I see in other basketball games, other NBA games. So this is why I have this real question. I have this question as uh, about DeMar DeRozan and if he can handle getting normal officiating rather than the officiating he's been kind of privy to uh, all season where he's been getting to the line quite often and getting calls that you know, are kind of borderline. Uh, you know, and, and sometimes I would say maybe, you know, the calls that are getting called for him, they're like 50, 50 calls. And I guess if you take the entire swath of these plays, it's probably close to a 50, 50, like whether or not the official calls a foul on that play. But I'm just, I, I'm curious to know if we get into a playoff atmosphere and the officials decide to swallow their whistles, which does happen. They let the guys play, especially when it comes down the stretch. Is DeMar DeRozan going to be able to adjust to that? Because when he's not getting those calls, I'm not going to call him a net negative. He's been very good. He's an MVP candidate. He's a, you know, a great player. I think, again, when the Bulls are fully healthy, it's not going to matter as much. But I want to see him adjust and, and see if he can you know handle that adversity. And you know maybe just come back and... and uh, become more of a distributor maybe maybe that's what it comes down to maybe it comes down to you know getting to the basket more instead of relying on the fadeaway maybe it comes down to just simply you know not being a decoy right not not being the guy that gets the basketball and makes the play but getting the guy that's on the receiving part of the play maybe maybe zach levine becomes the guy now uh, at some point there's a switch there and then teams are really confused because they don't know which one's going to go off. But I think the Bulls are coming across a – it's become a little bit more of a regular thing that DeMar DeRozan's complaining about fouls and we're not getting them. And rather than complaining and not getting them, which doesn't do anything for anybody, I want to see us adjust. That's what I'm trying to say. The five-man unit of Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Alex Crusoe, and Nikola Vucevic has only played 95 minutes together through 42 games. That's according to uh, Marquet. Uh, on Twitter, uh, at, at MK Hoops, I believe is his Twitter handle, um, which is just, you know, insane. I mean, it, we haven't had the health again. It seems to happen every freaking year to the Bulls. But again, this year, we've got all this talent, and they have yet to play together a lot. And it's really frustrating because we want to see the full product on stage, and it just hasn't happened. So, you know, this is, again, another case, you know, we can chalk, chalk this up again to injuries. We're still sitting – uh, in first, I believe. Uh, let me take a look at the standings. Here we are. Yeah, we're still a half game in first over the Miami Heat and the Brooklyn Nets right now as of the recording of this podcast. But um, I don't know how long that lasts. You know, and again, you know, I, I think you know, I had them at about 45. I think Trey had them about the same 45, 46, maybe 47 wins uh, to start the season. Uh, we're on pace currently still for like 53 or so. So, you know, there was a little bit of regression kind of uh, the way that we saw the team performing in the preseason, a little bit of regression still that we had baked in uh, that we thought was going to come, and it's, it's rearing its ugly head. Uh, but, again, you can chalk this stuff up to guys being out. I mean, you have five, six rotational guys being out. It's just really hard to win a, an NBA basketball game. First quarter, so a couple of quarter-by-quarter quarter breakdown things that I saw. First quarter, I saw the nice two-man break 
with I on Kobe. A little back and forth, and they ended up scoring on the play. It was like a two on three, basically, but the, the three guys were trailing a little bit. Um, it was just nice to see those guys have that kind of rapport uh, early in the game. Great defensive activity, and, and, and again, on the defensive boards, they did a fantastic job that first quarter. Uh, both teams didn't shoot the ball particularly well, and uh, a lot big part of that was the defense that the Bulls were playing uh, and limiting those second-chance points. Let's see, the first quarter, I just have the quarter stuff pop up for me now. Bulls shot 42%. The Grizzlies shot 35%. So just not a great uh, you know quarter for either of them. But the Grizzlies struggled even more uh, than the Bulls did. So uh, turnovers, though, turnovers. You know, we could get, we could play great defense and get boards all day. But when we turn the ball over eight times in one quarter, just really lots of really sloppy plays. You had guys just throwing the ball out of bounds, and a lot of this comes down to you know not not necessarily having the rapport with the guys on the floor because you've got funky you know rotations. You've got guys like Malcolm Hill that are in the game that, that haven't even been on the team except for a few days. So, um, you know, a lot of this comes down to that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, the Bulls did sign, uh, by the way, Malcolm Hill to a two-way today. Uh, they got rid of Devin Dotson, which was the right call. Malcolm Hill looked great out there. Uh, in the five minutes that he played, he was impactful. Uh, oh, no, sorry. He played one five minutes. What am I talking about? That's the first quarter. So I'm like, wait a minute. There's no way. He played 29 minutes. That's that's quite a few more than five. Uh, he had five fouls, but he was impactful. He had 12 points, four of six shooting, uh, eight rebounds, one assist. Uh, you know, eight rebounds, that's what sticks out to me. It, it's not even the scoring. I don't expect this guy to score. I expect him to be the, the you know, firecracker, be the guy, the, the spark plug. And he was that, man. He was bouncy. He was more bouncy than anyone else on the Bulls squad, except for maybe Ayodesunmu. Uh, especially on the defensive end. You know, Kobe's bouncy on the offensive end. Sometimes he has a little bit of a mental lapse on offense and on defense. So, um, but, and that's not even, I mean, he still brought, brought the energy. But uh, Malcolm Hill is just, he's been that spark plug for us. I'm really glad the Bulls have signed him to that two-way. Uh, I think he could make a case by the, you know, end of, end of his uh, eligibility there to make the squad. Uh, if we're still down guys, if, if we need him, if we make some trades and, and have a roster spot open, uh, that might not happen. In which case, you know, uh, he'll, he'll be affiliated with us hopefully in the G league, but uh, no big deal. Uh, just love what I saw out of him. So uh, Tony Bradley, uh, you know, again, we, we've talked about him being, you know, not the most ideal backup center. I don't think he's, significantly above the mean. I don't think he's even at the mean. I think he's a little bit below average. And, you know, I did defend this guy before the season started, so it's a little little upsetting to see this because I thought he was a good gift for the Bulls. I thought he played well, well in stretches uh, for the Sixers. But so far for the Bulls in an expanded role uh, a bit since, you know, more, more than that's he's seen in his career, hasn't looked entirely great. But he did have some nice finishes. He had a nice tough finish in the first quarter. In the last few games, he's had some nice finishes, just really showing some nice hands, catching the ball in kind of awkward positions, and going in and, and laying the ball up, uh, which is, you know, taking some skill. I also noted Io digging for a steal. And, you know, he doesn't always get steals off of uh, – you know, passing lanes or whatever. Sometimes, you know, he was deep dug down and got a steal. I think it was off of John Morant. Uh, it was just so nice to see. Uh, the Bulls, after first quarter, had a 15-14 to 14 advantage on the boards, actually, which was also really nice to see. Second quarter, uh, Bulls were taking a lot of contested jumpers. Uh, just no movement on offense. Um, you know, guys were kind of standing around and watching, uh, which is the case always. You know, you don't have guys when you have a, a defender shading over. 
cutting to the basket, diving to the basket, creating space where that ball handler can then dribble into or, or you know, cutter can cut into to get open, to, to create the ball movement. That's how it works, guys. Sometimes being standing – so, so you know, you, sometimes people think spacing on, on offense means, like, okay, well, I just got to stand as far out as possible so I can make space behind, you know, in that lane and, and give the guy space. So, no, movement makes space. If you cut through, say I've got the ball in the wing and the point guard's at the top of the key. Point guard cuts through. Where's that open space on the floor now? Where that point guard just left. That point, that defender goes with the point guard. Now there's all that open space. So if I'm DeMar DeRozan, I can dribble to that top of the key, beat my man off the dribble, and, and get a jumper. That movement, that movement from Kobe White or whoever the point guard is created the open space for me to go and score. Even better if that point guard you know, cuts through, and then the other guard or forward that's on the other wing cuts that open space at the top of the key, receives the ball. Now, all of a sudden, you've got the defense moving. Now you give him a crossover because the defender is running from left to right or right to left, whatever it is. Give him a crossover. He doesn't keep up with the other crossover. Now you've got, you know, room in that paint to go score. It, it, it movement, movement creates this, and there just wasn't any. There was just a lot of standing around, one-on-one, -on -one, contested jumpers, which is just really frustrating to watch. Memphis went on a 16 all run. That was pretty much it. I mean, you know, they never the Bulls never really fully recovered. They they did make a little bit of a, a run at the end of the second to kind of get back into us into this. But uh, this was you know basically the end of it. Uh, Malcolm Hill hit a three uh, to go ahead and stop that 16 and 0 Memphis run. It was really nice though to see Ayodisumu. He had a nice little hezzy into a jump shot, and then as soon as he made that jump shot, it's a made basket. Steven Adams beats the entire Bulls team in transition down the floor. Our transition defense has been absolutely atrocious for, for several games now. I mean, again, lots of guys out. There are excuses here, and they're valid excuses. But that just can't happen, man. On a made basket, you can't get beat down the court by, by another team's center. I know the Memphis Grizzlies like to do that a lot. They were talking about that on the national broadcast. I know that's something that they, they try to score baskets on quite often. But you have to be aware. If that's the case, you have to be aware of that. And it's just not it's just not excusable on a made basket to give up a transition bucket to an opposing center. By the end of the, by halftime, it was a twenty eight to thirty one rebounding deficit. Uh, we also had twelve turnovers to Memphis's six turnovers, twice the amount of turnovers. If you can't do math, not a, not a recipe for winning. Uh, but it was still close. By the end of the second, I think we were down seven points or something like that. Um, I'm on the wrong page here. Um, but we were still in the game. It was still, you know, somewhat close. We had, let's see, come on, filter, filter, 45 to 58. So we were down 13, uh, a little bit further than I thought we were. But, you know, still felt like we might have still had a shot coming back if we can come out and have a good second half. Of course, that didn't happen. Just fell absolutely flat in that, that second half. Um, didn't, didn't look great at all. Third quarter, Vooch uh, had his first basket of the game with about eight minutes left in the third. First basket of the game from your currently second best player, quote unquote. Coming with, uh, you know, let's see, 24 plus four, 28 minutes into the game. I don't think that's a recipe for, for winning either. Let's talk about the DeRozan slip in the third. Look, look kind of bad. I actually gasped because I thought maybe he had hurt his knee or his ankle because he was grabbing his ankle a little bit. He tried to go and just slipped. Obviously, he got up, played the rest of the game, so he obviously he's fine. But something to keep an eye on. He might have tweaked it a little bit. 
Uh, fourth quarter, obviously, we can't uh, we can't not talk about it. But let's talk about that Tony Bradley follow Morant. And I'm gonna, you know I'm going to give you a little bit of a homer take on this. I don't think it's um, I think it, at the end of the day I think it should have been a double technical, and they should have just continued to play the game. I mean, especially given the score, because at that point you know the game was just it was in hand. I mean, there was no way the Memphis Grizzlies were going to lose that basketball game. Tony Bradley made a bad foul. It was you know he lifted his leg uh, to prevent John Morant from from going, blowing past him because. Tony Bradley can't keep up with him uh, in a defensive stance. So he lifted his leg and basically kicked John Morant, which, you know, John Morant took exception to, which is justifiable. I get it. That's totally, I, I get it, man. Like, I have no qualms with that at all. Then Tony Bradley held on to John Morant. Um, he grabbed him to prevent him from falling because, again, he stuck out. He kicked him uh, in, like, the thigh or the knee, somewhere in the leg area. John Morant started to go towards the ground. Tony Bradley caught him so that he didn't fall. At that point, you know, give him a pat on the back, let him go. He didn't. He held on to him. I don't know why. I don't know what Tony Bradley was thinking in that instance. I, I'd be curious to see if a reporter asks him in the uh, post-game interviews. So, you know, that's not cool. Um, if, if John Morant would have just held his hands up and said, hey, man, get this guy off of me, it would have been a, a technical or uh, maybe even a flagrant on, on Tony Bradley. And we would have, you know, said, okay, that, that makes sense, and, and I have no problem with it. But John Morant, in his way, responded by pushing the ball into Tony Bradley's face. Which I think, that's just uncalled for. I mean, the, the guy was holding onto his jersey. Not exactly like, he wasn't trying to punch him. He wasn't attacking him in any way. I think he was trying to say my bad or something. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I hope someone asks Tony Bradley why he was holding onto him. But, you know, why, why would you shove a ball? into the guy's face. Like, don't do that, dude. So it ended up being a technical on both players, ended up being also a flagrant on Tony Bradley. Like I said, I think it should have just been a flagrant on, or a technical on both players and just move on. But uh, I'm not mad at Tony Bradley for that. I'm not mad at what he did. Uh, <laughs> John Morant, you know, of course John Morant comes out uh, ticked off about that play and puts up a 360 layup for the for the highlight reel uh, so it can be on ESPN and, and, and whatever, TNT's, you know, post-game coverage, all that good stuff. They get to go over there and say, oh, look at what John Moran did in a game. I mean, it didn't mean anything at that point, right? And not to say, like, you know, he couldn't do that if it did mean something. He could. He's a very good player. John Morant's a very great player. But, uh, you know, Morant was a little bit fired up after this whole altercation, and that's kind of how Morant is, man. Morant, like, you've seen him stare down a kid. Like, this dude, you know, he, he tries to portray it being, like, a killer. Like, he's, you know, he's going to go out there and... and and beat everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're a child, as long as you, if you're wearing the wrong jersey, yeah, I don't like you. Um, you know, and that, that's been kind of his uh, persona the last like you know week or so. And uh, and so I'm not upset that Tony Bradley decided to get a little chippy with him. I think it was dumb. He could have done a better job of it. He could have done something better, but uh, not entirely upset at the way that happened. Uh, not terribly upset either with the outcome. I mean, who cares? It, it was a it was a decided basketball game at that point, so it's really a non anything. But uh, people will talk about it. So, but uh, that's going to do it for us, guys. That's going to do it for me. Uh, I, that's all my takeaways from the game here. Tomorrow, we are going to have Buzz on tap on uh, tomorrow night. I'm not sure exactly what time. I can't remember. I think it's uh, eight o'clock central. We're going to start taping, so uh, probably around ten or so central. Uh, that's going to be when I'm going to, uh, when we're going to have buzz on tap on from on tap sports net. 
and uh, Bulls on Tap, Socks on Tap, all that good stuff. So we're going to have him on, talk some Bulls. It's going to be awesome, man. Uh, and the Bulls aren't playing again until Wednesday. They play Wednesday. They play the Cleveland Cavaliers, which is going to be another tough game. It's a nightmare matchup for them. And then they follow that on Friday with the Bucks. So a couple of pretty tough matchups here uh, to close out this week. Will the Bulls go on a six-loss slide? I think it's definitely possible. Uh, I think it's dependent a lot on also on who, you know who comes back. Uh, speaking of which, a real quick recap of who's out and who we're expecting back. Caruso and Javante Green. The other news from from today was that they both uh, played in the G League, I believe, or, or practiced one or the other, and uh, so that means indicates that they are both pretty much on the verge of returning. So I think Caruso probably comes back for that game on Wednesday against the Cavs. And if not then, then probably the game on Friday with the, the Bucks. And the same can probably be said of Javante Green. Lonzo Ball is listed day-to-day with that knee. Uh, had some discomfort, had some swelling before, supposedly, and, and he just tweaked it some more in that uh, game that he, that he the last game that he played. So he's still day-to-day. Not sure exactly when he'll be back. Zach Levine is supposed to be reevaluated sometime this week, uh, early this week, it says. So uh, hopefully we'll get some more news tomorrow. Or Wednesday, if we get some news tomorrow, we can talk to it about talk about it with Buzz. But um, not sure exactly when he's going to be back. We'll have a more firm timetable soon. Derek Jones Jr. is going to be out for another you know week or two. Uh, just not going to happen. So uh, he's probably going to be out. He might even be traded before he comes back with the Bulls. We might have seen the last time on the Bulls. So we'll see because uh, his contract is a nice one, an expiring $9.5 million, if I remember correctly, uh, on the books that we can throw into a trade if it does happen. So that's going to be it, guys. Quickly, before I sign off, I want to also remind you to all to use coupon code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. And also check out our pals at mybookie.ag. Use code HOOPBALL on the third page of sign up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. That's going to do it. If you go out to follow me on Twitter, I am Keith Cork. You can follow me at, at BSBPKeith. And you can follow our show at, at EthosBulls on Twitter. Let's go get this next one, Bulls. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.